All right, so let's try that again. All right, good morning, welcome. Thank you for joining us by live stream. Thank you for being here in the congregation. We have some exciting things planned for you today, uh, both in live worship as well as a guest speaker who I know that you are going to enjoy. Um, we are gathering again as of this morning. We are gathering back in a live in the congregation here. We are encouraging social distancing and the wearing of masks and so forth, which is why, as you can see, I have mine uh, ready to go here and uh, encouraging all of the rules of sanitation and, and, and so forth with liberty. So we know that some people have an issue with wearing a mask. Uh, I know one individual that was on a call with me uh, in a meeting said that she can't wear a mask because of uh, physiological things that go on for her. She's incapable of wearing one. So here's the deal. We want you to have freedom. Freedom to be here, gathered with us live in person, or freedom to continue to watch by live stream. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for a holy moment. Uh, when, when I say holy, Lord, I, I want to be sure that the people understand that, that that doesn't have to do with an absence of sin. It has to do with a proximity to you. And we couldn't be closer this morning because you've brought us close. We're, we, we've been brought right into your heart. You received us into yourself. And we're, we're so thankful and so deeply appreciative about that. You can do all things. You can do all things. We are never lost. We are never outside of your good presence, your love. And Lord, in a, this time of turmoil that our nation and our world is going through, not only with the pandemic, but Father, with the, the, um, the uh, rioting and the racism and the hatred and the division, and we're experiencing it politically, we're experiencing it educationally, we're experiencing it religiously, we're, we're experiencing the, the collision here of two different kingdoms. And Father, we want to do what Jesus told us to do to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. All right, well, we do have some announcements. Nina is coming, and she's going to be sharing those with you here. And we welcome, we welcome our Nina, <laughs> live and in person. Here she comes. Hi. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. Well, it's great to be here with the folks that are here. And for those of you who are out there watching live stream, I was in making sure, I don't know if you know, we're now streaming this also on Facebook. So uh, if you go out to the Genesis Church Facebook page, uh, you can always share this with your Facebook friends. And that's pretty exciting. So I was making that connection back in the office before coming out here. So a few other announcements. Uh, we continue to collect food, and uh, it's so easy now since we're open on Sundays that when you come on Sundays, for those of you who do, you can just bring your food items or your PPE items and drop them in the uh, barrels out front, and uh, they're going to local food banks and helping folks that way. Guys, uh, we have your gathering. They, the guys, have your gathering. We're not going. We're, we don't get to go to You're this. You're not allowed. We're not allowed. 
Not so allowed. You, you, and you can oh, go. My, my, sn <laughs> my snarky daughter just said, we don't want to go. Oh, <laughs> that's there you go. <laughs> so 7.30 this Thursday. If you're not already on the email list, hey, go out to our website and... Um, Email us and let us know you'd like to be part of that guys' gathering. It is very current. It's, it's just great discussion. Um, and so from what I understand, of course, I haven't been there, but I understand it's really great, and the guys are having a great time. So um, we'd love to have you join in on that discussion with the guys' gathering Thursday night, every other week, 7.30. Online giving and, and your tithes and offerings. Hey, we're, we're thankful for the tithes and offerings that everybody's been so faithful to it's give. It's amazing, really. Yeah, it's very wonderful, very, very much a God thing. And thank you for helping us to get the gospel out. You know, you play a role. And as you give, we believe it's given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. All right. Um, oh, I guess I should mention, in case there is anyone new watching, if you would like to donate, you can uh, go on to our website at www.genesiscc.net, or you can text and give. Is there an announcement up there? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, kind of like release and matters. Right, no, right, no it's up. not that far over. It's, it's, yeah, okay. Oh, it's no, not over not there? That far okay, 720-730-7510. That's it for our announcements. Well, we're so glad to be back, and we're glad that Lisa and Matt are here today to lead us in worship. Trying to get my six feet here, you know. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. We're so glad to see you all here in person again. It's great. And those of you who are online, thanks for joining us. Let's just take a moment, let everything go. This is our time to worship the creator of the universe who loves us, uh, and just pour your heart out to him. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ our King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. 
Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. Silence the boast of sin and grave. Heavens are roaring the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You have no rival. You have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Sing beautiful. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. 
He is jealous. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Yes, he loves us. And he are his portion, and he is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, we're all singing. So heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest. And I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Yes, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. Thank you, Jesus. I'm reminded of that line about if your grace is an ocean, we are all sinking. We thank you for that grace. 
We thank you for loving each and every one of us just as we are. We pray that we would love other people in that same way. In Jesus' name. you're just now joining us we want to say thank you for doing that and for each of you that are here in the congregation thank you I know that you've made an extra effort to be here and uh, for some it's not comfortable yet and again we want you to have the option which is why we're going to continue to live stream George Floyd a name that will forever change history American history, but the world's history. Because the response to that video, and thankfully the video was running, imagine if the video had not been on. And, and it begs the question, how many times, how many other occurrences has the video not been on? But it was this time. And we saw something so dehumanizing, so horrific, that categorically and without exception across all lines of denomination, political persuasion, education, race, and otherwise, it was unilaterally condemned as it should have been. George Floyd was murdered. And the question this morning is not, are you a racist? It's, are you an anti-racist? Brian Houston, pastor of great mega church called Hillsong out of Australia, Churches and campuses literally all over the world, not just in his city, made this comment, and I quote, and I loved it so much, thought it so powerful, and it spoke to my heart in such a great way that I retweeted what I read. Brian Houston, quote, this moment in history could be a moment of transformation and change. Racism has to be crushed now and forever, and all people must be treated equally. It's time for affirmative action. Let's take our stand. I did not feel adequately equipped to address the depth of racism in our country. I'm not acquainted with it, frankly. I have always loved people of color. I did not grow up in a racist family. I did not hear racist comments. People of color have always been in my life, in my family, in my ministry. I have many friends who are black. And when I say people of color, we're not just talking about black people. 
But because the focus right now is upon George Floyd and what happened there, then let me deal with that one thing. I have ministerial friends who are black. They have preached in my pulpit. I have preached in theirs. We've had meals together. We hug, we love, we share life together. I just don't know what it is like to feel or think a racist thought. So I turn to somebody who is very well acquainted with racism, and he happens to be black. You're going to meet him on the big screen here. He's coming to us live from California, and his name is Eric Johnson. He's a native to Los Angeles uh, County. Eric has served urban youth and teens dealing with trauma for over 40 years as a pastor, director, and educator. Pastors, mentors, and educators reached out to him as a teenager dealing with abuse and molestation. They gave Eric hope and let him see his God-given value. And ever since then, his passion has been to give that same hope to others. He is the director of partnerships and collaborations. He is responsible for building support and advocacy within the Pasadena Unified School District community around systemic issues impacting vulnerable students and families by leveraging relationships within the faith, nonprofit, and business communities. Eric is a graduate of Southern California and a Southern California liaison for the DeVos Urban Leadership Intuitive, whose mission is to make a positive impact on the lives of disadvantaged urban youth by investing in their leaders. Eric is married to Anna, and uh, we, lo we love Anna Marie. And uh, Anna, uh, we got to see and spend time with Anna Marie and, and Eric in February, actually, out in California. And uh, has one daughter, Daniela, completing her master's degree in education at USC. Eric loves all things pop culture, cooking, and screenwriting. And my only regret, my brother, to you this morning, let's bring him up on our screen. Can we do that, Jeff? Thank you very much. Uh, we don't, yeah, you're, the video's coming from the camera. Could we bring him up on the screen? Oh, the video that we, I, I'm very sorry. So there is an intro video. Thank you, Jeff, for reminding me. Eric asked us to play this intro video. It's just a very short one. I think you'll be greatly impacted uh, by it. Let's go ahead with that video. Could we sound, guys? Thank you so much. I want every white person in this room who would be happy to be treated as this society in general treats our citizens, our black citizens, if you, as a white person, would be happy to receive the same treatment that our black citizens do in this society, please stand. You didn't understand the directions. If you white folks want to be treated the way blacks are in this society, stand. Nobody's standing here. That says very plainly that you know what's happening. You know you don't want it for you. I want to know why you're so willing to accept it or to allow it to happen for others. I want every white person in this room who would be happy to be treated.
I want every white person in this room who would be happy to be treated as this society in general treats our citizens, our black citizens, if you as a white person would be happy to receive the same treatment that our black citizens do in this society, please stand. You didn't understand the directions. If you white folks want to be treated the way blacks are in this society, stand. Nobody's standing here. That says very plainly that you know what's happening. You know you don't want it for you. I want to know why you're so willing to accept it or to allow it to happen for others. Wow, how powerful is that? And with that, we're going to bring you Eric here. We're bringing him up now. He's, we've got to do a switcheroo here to get him over here. There he is. We're going to go full screen on that here. <laughs> we love you, my brother. Hey, you, there you are. Okay. And our live stream audience should be able to see you as well. Good morning, right. my dear brother. Uh, what Good a, morning. I hope you were able to hear a little bit of that introduction. Thank you for being with us. I know our time is limited. I want to maximize the time you have. My only regret is that you're not here in person, and I want to promise you I'm going to do everything within my power to get you out here in person to speak to us and minister to our congregation live because through the decades that I have known you, you're a dear friend and a very powerful minister. And I'm so glad you're with us this morning to address this issue of systemic racism. Thank you, my brother. I love you and Nina so much. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you reached out to me. Uh, when you, can you all hear me okay? Good. All right, great. Um, let's go back to the question that was just asked in that video. Uh, yesterday, I celebrated my 60th birthday. I was, I was born June 6, 1960, in South Central Los Angeles. Uh, in 1965, uh, we were there during the Watts riots. I was born into Jim Crow. I was born into... Uh, the, the turning point in the civil rights movement. Um, in 1966, we relocated from South Central Los Angeles to Altadena, California. My father was one of the first uh, African-Americans that was allowed to apply for the Sheriff's Academy. Um, and upon graduation uh, was transferred to Altadena, uh, which is why we moved. During the 60s and 70s, and probably prior to the 60s. The Altadena sheriffs were uh, known, they had a reputation for being uh, abusive and oppressive. The sheriffs were frequently known to uh, randomly pick up uh, people of color for no reason whatsoever, take them into the foothills of Altadena, beat them, and then bring them into the sheriff's station. My father was one of those people. And he was no different at home. I could go into um, the issues of why my father being a law enforcement officer was not a good idea. 
uh, considering the broken home that he came out of, considering the abuse that he endured that I knew nothing of until uh, late into my adult life. Um, but he was the wrong person. He and his partners were the wrong people to have a badge and a gun. And my father was not only abusive to the people of our community, but he was also abusive at home. I was uh, beaten uh, with his patrol belt. I was beaten with metal shoe stretchers. I've, I've been beaten with his police baton. My mother, um, I remember the day that my mother was, was beaten so badly in front of me um, that she had to be taken to the hospital. And when she called the police for help, his partner showed up and said, we're not doing anything about this. He just had a bad day. Last year, I um, was at a family reunion for my mother's side of the family. And uh, my uncle went around from table to table uh, to, to talk to us, uh, the nieces and nephews. And uh, he asked, how many of you, I, I wanna share some stories about the family that you may not be aware of. And he shared a couple that we knew of. And then he said, um, were you aware that your grandfather was a law enforcement officer in Oakland? And he and his partners would come home, would come to our house and brag about the African-Americans that they had either beaten or shot or killed that day. My daughter was with me at the time and we turned around and looked at each other because of what I realized this meant. And so when I came home, I called my mother and I said, mom, um, I, I just came from the family reunion and there was a story, a story shared about, about grandpa and I wanna ask you about this. And when I shared it with her, she got real quiet and said, yes, that's true. Um, did he share this part about when, the part, when his partners would leave the house then he would commence to, to beat my mother and all of us, uh, the, the kids. And then she articulated the thing that I uh, realized at that moment when my uncle shared that story. Very quietly, she said, isn't it something that in attempting to leave that kind of abuse and oppression, I ran right into the arms of a man that would do the same thing to me. I realize that law enforcement is a calling. I have no doubt about that. And with uh, the work that I do, I've, I've worked for, with, for decades with law enforcement. Some of my dearest friends are the, the chief of police and uh, the deputy commander, deputy chief and others. And when injustice happens, we mourn and grieve and when justice prevails, we celebrate together. And for each and every one of you out there that may be in law enforcement, 
I thank you for your service. I am grateful that there are men and women like you that are living up to that call. But for a good majority of my life, I am well aware of those who don't. From my daughter, my daughter, Daniela, was born 29 years ago. She was born on the day that Rodney King was beaten, not far from where we live. And from Rodney King until now, in these nationally publicized cases, there have only been two convictions. As Jeff shared, I, I do a lot of work alongside the school district. Uh, right now, I am, this is our 11th year where I have served as an administrator of a summer school on behalf of the school district, serving students who are most in need, students that have multiple Fs, um, sometimes even behavior issues. But because they have opened up and shared, these are the issues that we are facing that are keeping us from being able to focus on our studies. We built a summer school around that. So we work with them and, and partner with them and get them connected to the resources that they need to get the help that they need. And then we also help them with math and English credit recovery. Every, as, this is my 42nd year as a pastor, youth pastor, youth director. And every time a situation like this happens, we sit down with students and we, we have that conversation about what your rights are, to know your rights. And we have this in-depth conversation that if you do this, we're going to walk through these steps. And if you do this, and if you come into a, into a situation like this, then if you do these steps, you'll be able to come home safely and then be able to seek out justice. In this last month, Every strategy has gone out the window. I don't know what to tell my daughter. I don't know what to tell these hundreds of young people that I work with. I don't know what to say to them on how they can come home safe. You see this image behind me. I live in a world where individuals can angrily and armed walk into the capital of Michigan and voice their protest over being inconvenienced with safe at home measures while an unarmed man an unarmed person of color dies with the full weight of oppression kneeling on his neck and the hands of oppression so casually in his pocket. I, when all the uh, rioting happened in Ferguson uh, several years ago, 
Um, I received a, um, an email from a, a group of pastors uh, nationally that I knew that were uh, writing um, a response to an article uh, that they were vehemently against. And I, I thought, why are they in such an uproar? What, what has them so angry? And I, I found out that a, a pastor, um, an African-American pastor of a very large uh, prominent church um, had been asked to weigh in on the injustice in, in Ferguson. And when I read just the first paragraph of the article, I, <laughs> I was enraged. I was outraged. Uh, in the opening statement, he, he said that as a pastor, I am called to the members of my congregation and no one else. I couldn't believe what I was reading. So in essence, if this injustice was not happening to the people of his congregation, then it didn't matter. And I was so angry. I was trying to find the passage in Micah uh, chapter 6, verse 8, about doing justly. And I couldn't even remember that. All the, I, I was searching for the word justice, and I, I, I couldn't find the scripture. And I ended up on a passage that has been burning within me for the last five years. I, I'll read this to you. It is from Amos chapter 5 in the Message Bible. As I pull it up here, I'll read it as follows. Here, right. Starting with verse 7. It says, woe to you who turn justice to vinegar and stomp righteousness into the mud. Do you realize where you are? You're in a cosmos star flung with constellations by God. A world God wakes up each morning and puts to bed each night. God dips water from the ocean and gives the land a drink. God, God revealed, does all of this. And he can destroy it as easily as make it. He can turn this vast wonder into a total waste. People hate this kind of talk. Raw truth is never popular, but here it is, bluntly spoken. Because you run roughshod over the poor and take the bread right out of their mouths, you're never going to move into the luxury homes you have built. You're never going to drink wine from the expensive vineyards you've planted. I know precisely the extent of your violations the enormity of your sins, appalling. You bully right living people, taking bribes right and left and kicking the poor when they're down. Justice is a lost cause. Evil is epidemic. Decent people throw up their hands. Protest and rebuke are useless, a waste of breath. Seek good and not evil and live. You talk about God, the God of the angel armies, being your best friend, well, live like it, and maybe it will happen. Hate evil and love good, then work it out in the public square. Maybe God, the God of the angel armies, 
will notice your remnant and be gracious. And then going down to verse 21, it says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. I would like to know in my lifetime what it means to swim in that ocean. I would like to know what it means to get up in the morning and take a walk without having to take my phone with me, to be prepared to record an injustice against me or to call 911. I want to know what it's like to be able to go into a department store and not be followed by security. And it's not just for me. It's not just for the children that I serve. It's not just for African Americans. When I think of what's going on right now, I'm also mindful. I'm mindful of, I'm mindful of women. I'm mindful that here we are, that we are still in a day where many of my friends in ministry who are women, who there is no doubt that the call of God is on their life, are not allowed to stand behind the pulpit. That although they are acknowledged as pastors, that they will never be allowed as preaching pastors. I've growing up in the 60s as all this was going on, I remember every time the word rape came up in the news and how many cases we would hear about publicly and the verdict was always not guilty for the perpetrator because the thought, the prevalent thought in our society, even today, is if a woman is raped, they must have been asking for it. I am mindful of our Native American brothers and sisters. Just this last year, I had the honor of traveling to Gallup, New Mexico and uh, with, with others uh, who are doing great work of, of youth work across this country with the DeVos Urban Leadership Initiative. Uh, several of us went to sit with our Native American alumni as they shared their stories. And so we sat with the Navajo and Zuni tribes. All around the reservations that we visited, there were basketball courts everywhere. And I turned to, to one of my brothers and I asked, 
do the students dream of, of going to the NBA? And the response was, Eric, that's just it. Our students don't dream. One of our brothers shared the story of where uh, his family was forced to relocate to Michigan. He and his little brother were separated uh, from their parents and forced into uh, a boarding school, a Christian-run boarding school. And when he and his younger brother arrived, and uh, my friend Mike, he, uh, he knew English. His, uh, his little brother um, was only knew very few words. And the, the headmaster was giving them their very strict instructions upon arrival. And one of the rules was, he said that at no time will that despicable language be tolerated, that their own native tongue would not be tolerated. And so as, as the headmaster is explaining all of this, Mike's younger brother is asking him, what is this man saying? Re repeat it back to me so I can understand. Why is he looking at me so angry? And the headmaster is yelling, stop it. Stop it. Stop speaking in that detestable language. And Mike is trying to, to, uh, to, to tell his brother to be quiet. And the brother is still asking him, what is it? I don't understand. I don't understand. What is he saying to me? Why is he so angry with me? And the headmaster had his little brother held down and they grabbed a hot poker from the fireplace and put it in his mouth to burn his tongue so that he would not speak his own native language. I share all of this because from the Old Testament to the New, the heart of God is justice. It is in the DNA of the love of God when we read 1 Corinthians 13 and we read about the nature of the love of God, it says that love does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices when righteousness and truth prevails. From the, the, the greatest commandment, when Jesus asked, what is it? It is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. When we look at all of the, of the things that Jesus did, it's not the miracles, it's the message. The message was justice. The message to the woman caught in adultery was justice. And isn't it interesting that the religious order of that time brings that woman before Jesus to be stoned to death and their words to Jesus was this woman was caught in the very act of adultery, the very act. And if that's the case, then why wasn't the man brought before Jesus as well? Jesus' actions were ones of justice. When Jesus in anger turns over the tables at the temple, and, and makes a whip 
What was that angry protest all about? It was about injustice. It was the very act that people, especially those who had very little, knew that they could not come to God without a sacrifice. And they were being charged monstrous rate wages just to be able to purchase a sacrifice. And that's why Jesus said, you have turned the house of God into a den of thieves. And then when we read about the sheep and goats, who did Jesus say represented him? The ones who were overlooked and ignored. We have been given one ministry in 2 Corinthians 5, the ministry of reconciliation. And the prerequisite to that is that we regard no man from a worldly point of view. I want to swim in that ocean. I want my brothers and sisters of color. I want women and Native Americans. I want everyone who is overlooked and ignored to know what it means to swim in that ocean but we can't do that without you. And so with that, I'm going to stop and Jeff, uh, I know that there's always questions uh, regarding this and and I know this is the kind of thing that that we need to sit down and have a conversation and and more time. but I guess one I will, I will ask to, uh, I'll ask what your questions are first. We, we have a video that can be shared at, at any time, but I, I wanna know what your questions are. And so Jeff, I'll, I'll ask you to just lead that. All right, so, that, uh, so we have a camera pointed on us or just this area where Eric can see us. All right, so if you have a question, I'm going to ask you to come up here and take the microphone and ask it. Eric, can you see me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. But he can't see back there. So that our, our, our video camera is trained on the screen for the purpose of the live stream. There's a second camera trained on just this area. All right? Do we have any questions while Pastor Eric is available? Has he sparked any thoughts or ideas or questions? Please. I just want to know how we can get these police officers out of the police force who are beating and so evil to the black people. It is so wrong, and I hate it. But I I don't know how we as individuals can help. That is a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so many times we, we pin our hopes on a national election of our president in order to right these wrongs, but truly it's at the local level. In, in every 
uh, police department. More than likely, uh, every, every police department has a chief. Having a dialogue with that chief is important. I, I, one of my friends just recently, uh, a pastor, uh, contacted a local police department to speak to the police chief. And he said, I wanna, I, my question to you in light of all that is happening is what kind of training, what kind of process are your officers going through? He says, I, I, I'm a pastor in this city. I have a wife and two young boys. I wanna know what kind of training is being done? What kind of outreach is happening that, that will ensure that this kind of tragedy will not happen to my family? And the police chief uh, responded, he asked for a meeting. Um, uh, but my, my friend also then spoke to, uh, to the congregation and he said, my, my white brothers and sisters, I ask you to ask the same question. I, I, the injustices that I see in my own city, it's one thing when people of color speak out, it is quite another thing when my white brothers and sisters speak out. So that's one. The next thing is that uh, your, your police chief is appointed by your mayor, or you might have a city manager that oversees that, or your city council. Have a conversation with them and let them know, are you, are you working with the police chief to ensure that this does not happen in our city? These are the simple things that you can do on a local level. And if you don't see it happening, and when it comes time for election, remember that and vote for somebody who is going to make those changes. Um, I recently got a survey from the city of Westminster where I live and they wanted me to go on online and it was from the police department. And they had some really important questions about how the people in the community um, feel about the police department in my city. And I went online and I was very, very honest and I hope this helps with uh, the city I live in, helps them understand how the community really feels. It's wonderful. One of the, one of the reasons why I have the favor that I have in the city that I work in is because I believe that call that we have been, we have been empowered with the ministry of reconciliation, that we do not look at people from a worldly point of view. And so that means that we are called to turn enemies into allies. And that starts not with me screaming and yelling in a city council meeting or at a school board meeting. It starts with me inviting a councilman or a board member or a principal or the chief himself to sit down and have a cup of coffee. And let's find out where our common ground is. When we see people as people, 
And I also say this as well about the LGBTQ community. When you check under the hood of every riot, you will see a group of people who have been oppressed for decades. I, I invite you to uh, do a Google search and look up the Department of Justice report that was done after Ferguson. The large number of the population is African-American in that city. 93% of all arrests in that city were African-American. Almost 100% of every instance where an attack dog was used was used against an African-American. And we're talking about not for crimes because an African-American walked differently down the street than a white person and they were attacked. A man who just finished playing basketball was sitting in his car resting, African-American man, and was charged with being a pedophiler because he was resting in the car at the park. If we don't sit down and have a conversation with people and sit down and listen to what is going on, what is truly going on in their lives, the ministry of reconciliation will never be active in our lives. We have to sit down with people and see the people that Christ died for, even if they're the very ones doing the oppression. Any other questions? Say, I don't want to go on Facebook live, <laughs> ask a question. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got, we, this is the time, this is the hour. I believe pandemic, uh, the economic epidemic, and then this that's happening, Pastor Eric, I don't believe God sent these things, but I believe there is a divine collision that's going on with all of this, that literally it's an opportunity to change the world. Amen. Amen. And I don't ask anyone to do anything that I haven't done myself. My mother and, and I led my grandfather to Christ before he died. I've had multiple conversations with my father um, to lead him into a life with God. It's a work in progress, and, and right now there's little time because of where his, his health is right now. Um, but I know this, the same grace that I want to receive from God, I'm expected to extend that to others. And that is why this ministry works. Yes, brother, come ask it up here again, just so Eric can see you. First of all, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
So um, with all the protests here in Denver and everything else, and I know recently the city council in Denver has revoked um, the protection for the police officers, so if they found in the act of um, a response to a call or anything, if that has been found, um, so if they've been found to commit a crime in the protection or the upholding of the law, they can be charged now and personally sued. Have you heard of anything else nationwide that's come of that? I mean, all I've heard about is Denver that's been actually trying to do something about it, so. I'm sorry, say it one more time. The audio was a little hard for me to hear. Oh, it sounds really loud to me, so. Uh, Denver recently, the city council in Denver has um, repealed the, the protection for police officers. So if they've been found to commit an act of crime or, or something has been over the line of abuse or anything like that in the protection of a law or uphold the law like, like what happened to George Floyd and stuff, they can personally be sued, they can be tried, they can do all of that stuff. So I don't remember the name of the law that protects them, but that's been repealed. Has that happened anywhere else? Have you heard of anything else as far as something positive in the change actually affecting change? Yes, I, um, I know in my, in my own city in Pasadena, uh, there, there's, there's been progressive movement. Uh, the first has been um, uh, in the last five years, actually in the last two years, a, uh, a citizen's um, well, let's just let's call it a citizens consulting committee. It's not citizens oversight yet, but citizens consulting, where a group of of uh, justice minded uh, citizens uh, that are trusted by our our police chief um, are speaking into policy and how to engage the community, uh, starting. This week, there will be a meeting uh, with uh, the Peace and Safety Committee of our city council to revisit citizens' oversight. And I am hearing a lot of this across the country. Um, I think that is, that is again, um, these conversations are happening. Uh, but I do know this as well. Um, no matter what laws are passed, no matter what um, criminal justice reforms take place, the real teeth of anything is that when the law is broken, there is a conviction. Until there are enough convictions to which any organization will say, that's it, we are changing our policy, that's that's where the where the the teeth is. That's where the meat is. So, um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for every reform that is happening. I was grateful to hear uh, the the changes uh, that were spoken of, but those changes have to be enforced. Um, and one of these challenges, especially what I see in my own city, is you have leadership that wants these changes but the union is pushing something else. So it, again, this comes back to the mayor who appoints uh, the police chief or the, or the mayor who appoints um, the city manager that, uh, that when 
uh, police unions uh, come up, their contracts come up for review, that those contracts are not authorized unless these changes are received. Wow, that's really helpful. So in other words, we need to get out. We need to have these conversations with our civil authorities, our civic leaders, our police captain. And we yes. need to let them know that we won't stand for this. We want training. We want officers held accountable. We want convictions. Did y'all hear all of those little things? But it's got to come from us. We've got to have those conversations. We've got to write those emails. Yes. Pastor Eric, uh, go ahead. Uh, the last thing I'll say is um, quite, uh, I know that, that Dallas is, is one organization that is, uh, their police department is absolutely outstanding. Uh, and they, they have phenomenal uh, curriculum regarding implicit bias. And that is one of the, the first steps is that uh, from top to bottom that, uh, that they learn these pieces regarding implicit bias and restorative justice. Um, and that those are, these are great questions to ask your, your chief. Uh, what are your policies and training in regards to implicit bias? What are you doing in regards to restorative justice? Because these are things that will de-escalate a situation rather than escalate a situation. Pastor, I know you are doing this actually from an office in another church in California where you now are going to go and hold a service live. Yes. And we thank you for making the extra effort to be with us. Now, we have communion prepared here, and we're going to receive it, and we have an outgoing song. And so we'll retrain the camera uh, on to what's going on here in just a minute. But, Pastor, would you stay with us long enough yes. for this prayer? All right? Absolutely. We're going to hand each one of you one of these. And we have it available as a slide as well so that our media people can put this uh, up on the um, live stream and pastor I believe you'll be able to see it by live stream as well and then also Eric pastor Eric sent us a document that we're going to make available to all of you called justice resources Several pages here. We're not going to hand it out right now. We'll make it available on your way out. Justice resources. Several pages of great reading and resources, phone numbers, email addresses. He has his own contact information as well. Be lovely for you to correspond with him. And uh, you can continue to read up and educate yourself on these issues. All right. So, Pastor Eric, uh, we'll put that up on our screen now, this prayer. I woke up in the middle of the night two nights ago. I got up out of bed and I penned this. I went to my computer because I knew I would forget it if I didn't write these words down. Everybody together, ready? Let's read aloud. We need, no, we are each other. You are not less. I am not better, but the same. Without you, I am incomplete. I honor, respect, and applaud you. I see you, listen to you, celebrate you. 
Forgive my past ignorance, indifference, pride, hatred, and selfishness. These are past. Thank you, Brother Eric. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. And uh, we'll let him get on to his other service there. And if we could go back uh, live here in the sanctuary now, we're going to receive communion. So for all of you that are here this morning, both in the sanctuary and those of you that have joined us by live stream, we have communion here. For those of you that are here, you can come up. This is a self-contained communion cup. The wafer is embedded in the top. You peel back the little cellophane and uh, you can have, the, uh, you can have the, the wafer first. So I wonder if, Jeff, we could switch our camera view back to the local fellowship here now. On, on, uh, you see what we're, see your camera view there on the screen? Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's a great shot, though. Now, the folks here don't need it. How, how's the live stream? That's all we care about. Live stream is good. Jeff, don't worry about it. All right? There's, there's nothing else for the uh, live the screen here that we need. So for the live stream, I believe you can see me and still here, and you've seen the prayer, and now we're going to have communion. We would encourage you, join us, uh, grab the elements, and... Uh, have your bread and your cup ready, and we'll go through communion in just a moment. I'd like to read the following from the scriptures in the Old Testament in the book of Esther. As Mordecai told Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. As we partake of communion this morning, I want you all to be aware of that wherever you are in life, your career, your finances, the house you live in, I want you to reconsider that everything going on in our life right now may have just brought us to this place for such a time as this. Let's accept as a part of our lifestyle going forward that we have a unique opportunity in history for hundreds and hundreds of years of American history to make a change, to really make a difference, and to put racism under our feet. That would be my prayer. Would you, as you would like, come up and avail yourself of the communion cup and wafer? Please come. And then you can go back, return to your seats. Those of you that have continued to watch by live stream, uh, our service is set to live stream for just uh, an hour and 15 minutes. And so 
if it if it goes black on you here, <laughs> it will be because of that set time. So uh, we will finish our time of communion here right now, uh, locally. And uh, let's go ahead and start that final song, please. Would you put that up? And for as long as the live stream continues, people can enjoy that. And uh, you can enjoy...